Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to HypnoBits. HypnoBits is a radio show for students and practitioners of hypnotherapy. I'm Linda Campbell. I'm a registered clinical counseling hypnotherapist, the director of the Canadian Association of Counseling Hypnotherapists and Educators, and I also teach hypnotherapy at my school, the Horizon Center. Uh, This show, again, is typically geared towards students and practitioners. This episode is one that I almost wish every potential client could hear as well. In this episode, I'm going to uh, talk about the uh, expectations that clients and therapists tend to have when it comes to their first hypnotherapy session and give you a bit of a behind-the-scenes glimpse at what a real first session actually looks like. So let's look at the client first. And before I talk about what they expect from their first hypnotherapy session, I want to talk a little bit first about what they expect from the consultation. I've been finding myself a little bit fired up lately because I have had clients lately who tell me, I don't need a consultation, let's just do it. And I know in my rational mind that when a client says, I don't need a consultation, really what they're saying is they're ready to do a hypnosis, they trust me, they don't have issues with hypnosis, they're eager to get on with their goal. Um, But I still find myself kind of reacting, not in front of them, but inside my own mind going, ah, yes, you do. So (laughs) to understand why this has got me fired up, I need to explain a little bit about how I work. So there's this perception of hypnosis that I'm just going to put the person in the chair and suggest their issues away. So a client who comes to anxiety, which leads to them not sleeping or biting their nails or having weight gain, um, is going to expect that I'm just going to tell them not to bite their nails or to take weight off or, you know, whatever the behavior is that they want to change. This is actually a client that I've got right now. So we're two sessions into working on her anxiety, and she says to me, oh, I didn't think I was going to have to talk about my childhood or about my life or about my mom again. So again, she had come with this expectation that even though she had a list of symptoms, anxiety, nail nail biting, weight gain, a couple other things, some tension in her body, that we weren't going to be doing any talk, that we weren't going to be discussing her history or her background or her family, that I was just going to put her in the chair and say, you're relaxed, you have no tension in your body, I don't even know what I would be saying. So this misconception, at least a The way I work, I know there are therapists out there who address symptoms, but this misconception about how I work kind of irritates me. So here's my approach, uh, or here's my theory. If I just suggest away a person's symptoms, then I'm doing them a real disservice for a couple of reasons. First off, a client can hear me when they're in hypnosis. 
So let's say I have a client who comes to see me who's not sleeping. If I put them in the chair and I say things like, you get a great sleep, you get to sleep easily, you sleep soundly through the night, they're hearing me. What are they going to be thinking inside their minds? They're going to be thinking, no, I don't. And as soon as the client can argue a suggestion I'm giving them, that argument, that contradiction goes into their subconscious the same way my suggestion does. In other words, their mind isn't differentiating between the different stimuli. I'm giving them such a suggestion that they're going to get great sleep, and they're sitting there thinking, I don't get great sleep, and basically we're canceling each other out. So if you're just working on the symptom and the client can counter-argue with you, you're not doing them a service. You're not doing any effective work. The other reason this is an issue is because there can be a reason why the client has the symptom that they have. So I've shared this story on the air, I'm sure, before, but I had a client who came to see me for insomnia, and what had happened when he was a kid is he came home from school and the dog was missing, and he asked what had happened to the dog. And what he was told was they had to put the dog to sleep. Now, not really understanding what that meant at the time, he had a belief from way back then, still stored in his subconscious mind, that sleep is this scary, mysterious place where you can go missing. Bad stuff can happen. And, of course, the job of the subconscious is primarily to protect you. So if a person has a belief from way back then that sleep is scary or dangerous, obviously the solution is don't sleep. Now, if I just put this client in the chair and tell him to sleep, he cancels out my suggestions with his own thoughts, but it doesn't actually meet the need that that client has on a deeper level to protect himself by not sleeping. So instead of addressing the symptom of not sleeping, I need to address the belief that's underneath not sleeping. In his case, sleep is scary or sleep is dangerous. If I can somehow convince the subconscious that sleep is not dangerous, that in fact it's safe, the client will naturally sleep. I'll never have to say, you get to sleep easily or you get deep sleep. The client will just sleep. Now, how do I know what to address? What's the belief? Well, we need to look at the events that have occurred in the client's life that have contributed to their belief system. So I could have five clients in one day, all who have sleep issues, and they may actually all have the same belief that sleep is not safe, but that belief can be coming from many different varied events from one person to the next. Uh, My client with the dog that got put down, I'm going to say different things to that person than I'm going to say to the client who had sexual trauma when she was sleeping or the client whose grandpa passed away in his sleep, or the client who, I had a client who, when he was a kid, a car jumped the curb and hit his house in the middle of the night. So he, too, had a belief that sleep wasn't safe, and he was constantly anticipating there being some kind of accident. So there can be many reasons why the subconscious has decided sleep is unsafe, and I'm going to have to say something different to each person in order to personalize and really speak to their particular need. So when a client comes to see me and they say, oh, I don't need a consultation, ah, (laughs) um, I know that they're not understanding the type of work I'm doing. They think if they've come for sleep, uh, they just need to get in the chair and I'm going to tell them to sleep and the problem's going to be solved. So the consultation is not really for them. (laughs) Yes, a client who is unfamiliar with hypnosis, is nervous about hypnosis, uh, you know, is scared of hypnosis, needs to hear what hypnosis actually is. And I want the client to be comfortable with me. A consultation is also an opportunity to develop rapport. If there's no rapport, 
don't work with a client or find some way to build the rapport if possible. But ultimately, the consultation is so that I can gather the relevant information and know exactly what to address so that I'm not just suggesting away symptoms, but actually working on what's underneath the client's problem. I recently had somebody contact me who wants to do a couple of sessions before she goes on holiday. And again, she said she doesn't need a consultation because she's already done hypnosis before. So I asked her to email me a little blurb about what it is she wants to work on to see, um, you know, is it possible to go right into a, a session with her or do I need to get more information? Well, she writes back that basically she has had an eating disorder since she was a teenager. I'm not sure how old she is now, but I'm guessing probably in her 40s or 50s. She has a history of binging and purging. She's also a binge drinker. And what she wants is for me to help her not overdo it when she goes away. So she's taking a vacation and would like to do a couple sessions just to keep her binge eating and her binge drinking in check on vacation. And again, this is the kind of thing that makes me a little bit mental. I don't do that kind of work. I'm not going to give you a Band-Aid solution so that you can go away for a couple of days and, um, or for a couple of weeks and not have to worry. My work is deeper than that. It's not about suggesting away a symptom. I'm not going to put this client in the chair and say, you have self-control and willpower. You keep it down to one glass of wine a night. You eat only when you're hungry and you stop when you're satisfied. Because there's a need that's being met with the binging, and this goes back to her teenage years, and it's a deeper issue than simply suggesting away symptoms. So I paced around a little bit, fuming and, and feeling angry that people don't get it, and then sent her a nice email that basically said that my work is not symptomatic, that I find it ineffective to put somebody into hypnosis and simply suggest away their symptoms, and that binge eating and binge drinking are a symptom of something else that's going on, and that the work that I would want to be doing with her would actually be to look at what's responsible. Why did she start binging in the first place? I told her that the consultation is for me so that I can gather relevant information. I want to know about her upbringing. I want to know about her childhood. I want to know what was going on in her life leading up to or around the time that she developed the eating disorder. I want to know what's going on in her life now. So there's a lot of different things that I need to ask this person in order to be able to do an effective session. And so I gave her options. We can do the consultation and a session on the same day. We can do a session, um, or sorry, not a session, just a consultation. You can come back another time for the session, and we can pick it up again when you get back from your trip. Or if this approach is not a fit for you, I'm happy to refer you somewhere else or just cancel your session. And thankfully, she got back to me and said, oh, I didn't think you were just going to suggest it away. Mm. Sure you didn't, um, and has agreed to come in for the consultation and session on the same day. So I'm in this position often where we have to kind of politely educate the client, uh, help her, help them to become aware of the approach that we're using. And again, I'm well aware that not everybody takes this approach. I know that there are some people who do suggest away symptoms. And my um, challenge for them would be to look at your success rate, not just immediately, but also over time. Do your clients get permanent results? Are they actually achieving what they come to achieve? I get a lot of clients who come to see me who have done hypnosis elsewhere, and they were good with their goal for six months, a year, maybe a couple of years, and then, hey, guess what? The problem came back. 
or they were good with that goal, but then a different problem came in. So if we haven't addressed the underlying cause, then the client can substitute one unhealthy behavior for another. So, for example, this client who started as a binge eater and now is a binge drinker has probably just substituted alcohol for food as she's matured or as she dealt with the eating disorder. She just replaced it with something else because she hasn't actually done the deeper work. So when I'm doing a consultation with somebody, what should they expect? We're going to go deep. I'm going to find out about their history. I'm going to ask some questions about their childhood. I'm going to ask some questions about their parents. I'm going to ask some questions about school. I am listening for patterns. I'm listening for themes. I'm listening for and digging for relevant history. I'm listening for the events and beliefs that could be contributing to or causing the client's problems. And ultimately, the symptoms don't even really matter to me. The symptoms will take care of themselves when you address the belief that is underlying them. So again, I know when a client says, I don't need a consultation, they're not trying to irritate me. (laughs) They're not trying to be dismissive of the work I'm doing. In fact, it's a bit of a compliment, I think, when a client says, "I'm, I'm ready to go ahead. They're saying, I trust you. I trust the hypnosis. I'm eager to get started. It's a sign of motivation on the part of the client. Uh, But what it says to me is that they have a misunderstanding about my approach and I need to step in and provide them some education as far as what it is exactly we'll be doing. And so, again, the consultation is for me. It's for me to gather information and it's also so that I can choose who I want to work with. So here's the other thing. When a client says, I'm ready to go ahead, I don't need a consultation, the client is saying, I'm ready to work with you. But I don't commit to working with somebody that I don't feel I'm a fit for or somebody I don't think I can help. So this is something, too, that I guess irritates me a little bit. (laughs) I'm on a bit of a rant here today. Uh, I also don't want to commit to a client until I've had an opportunity to sit and talk to them. Um, my time is valuable. I want to make sure that I am able to work for the client who comes to see me, that I believe in their goal. I believe in their ability to accomplishment, to accomplish it. I have a sense of their motivation. I have a sense of their drive. And I feel as though we're on the same page. So the consultation is an opportunity for us to check each other out. It's an opportunity for us to you know, uh, discuss what the goal is, what my strategy would be, and to see if it's actually a good idea for us to work together. Uh, I had a client of mine come be a demonstration for one of my classes of students recently, and she was talking a little bit to my class before I hypnotized her about uh, her experiences with other hypnotists. And she said, I was the third person that she chose, and when she came to see me, she knew it was going to be me that uh, she worked with. And so I asked her, well, what was different? about what I did than, you know, what you did with the other hypnotists. And she said that the first person asked what her goal was, and when she said weight loss, they said, okay, get in the chair. And um, to me, that's just super shocking. Why would you just put the client in the chair without getting any more information from them? Are you not personalizing your sessions? Like, what the heck is going on? Every weight loss client is unique. Just as I was talking about earlier, I could have five people in a day with sleep issues, and there may be similar things I say at some point in the session, but for the most part, I'm finding out where their particular problem came from and addressing that. And it's the same with weight loss. 
Not every weight loss client is exactly the same. They're unique. They have their own reasons for hanging on to weight. They have their own contributing factors and events. And so I'm working on each individual's goal, not on a symptom. So what can you expect when you come for a consultation with me? Well, you can expect that I'm going to be taking a lot of information from you. Again, listening for patterns and listening for themes and digging for relevant history. I'm also developing rapport. I'm getting a sense of the client's motivation. I'm giving a strategy. I'm explaining what it is I would be doing with the client in hypnosis. I'm piecing things together for them. Here's what I see going on. Here's what I see is possible for us to work on. I'm getting a sense of whether we're a fit for one another, I'm a fit for them, and they're a fit for me. So it's not a sales meeting. It's not me trying to lure the client into working with me. It's an opportunity for us to, again, check one another out. If they choose to work with me and I choose to work with them, we're good to go. So that's what a client can expect from a consultation with me. Now, what can they expect from the first session? So here's what a client generally thinks is going to happen. And I've heard this so many times from my clients. They say to me oftentimes after a session, oh, that's totally different than what I expected it to be. I thought I was going to be asleep or unconscious, unaware somehow, and uh, you're going to be asking me a bunch of questions, but I'm not going to know what I'm saying. You're going to write down the answers, and then afterwards you'll tell me what the session was all about. And I'm just kind of like, really? That's so not it at all. The reality is that oftentimes in a first session, the client is nervous, they're curious, and that will cause them to hang out a little lighter in their own depth of trance. Uh, They might feel like they're listening to everything that I'm saying, or they may feel like they're listening and wandering. Uh, They're more likely to experience physical indicators than mental indicators. So if people are waiting to feel like they're asleep or unconscious, typically that doesn't occur. What does occur is their arms feel really heavy or they feel like they've sunk down and become part of the chair or they're having waves of energy through their bodies or they're seeing a lot of colors or patterns swirling on the eyelids or they're finding that they're almost dreaming in the chair or their lips feel bigger than usual. So sometimes it's funny because clients are waiting to feel like they're asleep and then wondering if they're actually in hypnosis And yet, afterwards, they reveal that their hands felt huge and they felt like they floated up to the ceiling and they felt like they were dreaming and they were seeing swirling patterns on their eyes. So those are the things that are more likely to happen than going, you know, super deep. And I have to say here, too, that what I'm doing might be a little bit different from kind of standard hypnosis. I don't believe that a client has to be in a deep, deep, deep state of hypnosis in order to get results. In fact... The type of work that I typically do with clients where it might be interactive, where I may have them do things within their mind, where we're tracing back to where the cause of the client's problem began, I actually want people in sort of a mid-range to lighter state of trance. The reason being, if somebody is so deep that they can't even hear me and I'm trying to get them to do something within their mind, it, it doesn't work. I actually have to work to pull them up into a lighter state keep them with me long enough to get them to do something in their minds, keep them from drifting away, pull them back when they drift away. I spend more time chasing around after them and managing their depth than I actually do working on their goal. So I don't necessarily want a client in somnambulism, the deepest level of hypnosis that we are typically instructed to use. I like clients who are a little bit more mid-range. And again, people have their own sort of 
typical you know range that they'll go into and a client in the first session will hover closer to the lighter part of their own range because of that curiosity and that nervousness so what the client can expect in the first session they're not going to be asleep they're not going to be unconscious they're not going to be tuning me out they're probably going to be following they might have sporadic periods of drifting or wandering uh, they again might experience some physical sensations they may also experience time distortion so the client, I often will ask them to guess after a session how long it felt like they were in hypnosis for, not by calculating, but just by feel. And the reason I do this is people will calculate how long it takes for them to go into hypnosis because the conscious mind knows what time feels like. The subconscious doesn't track time. It has no concept of time. So the client might actually be in hypnosis for 45 minutes, but I took 15 minutes to get them there. So they'll guess. Oh, maybe 10, 15 minutes. And then when I tell them it was actually 45 minutes or they look at the clock, they're shocked because a half hour went by that they weren't even tracking. So it's more likely for a person to experience that kind of thing than to be unconscious or unaware. In fact, you know, people shouldn't be going unconscious in hypnosis. If somebody is unconscious, something has gone terribly wrong. <laughs> so the first session tends to be the lightest. Yeah, there's the occasional person who goes super deep but that's more the exception than it is the rule. It's more common for people to say to me things like, I was still here, I didn't go anywhere. <laughs> no, where did you think you were going to go? It's common for people to say things like, that was really relaxing, I'm not sure if I went anywhere. And then, you know, I have them look at the clock and notice what, how much time has passed. And because I know that people are going to question where they were or if they were in hypnosis because they weren't asleep, I also prove to them in hypnosis that they, or prove to them in that first session that they were in hypnosis by doing an eye test and having them um, experience the feeling of not being able to open their eyelids. And that's a good convincer as well. So usually my protocol for a first session is I desensitize them to sounds in the room. I center them so I have them kind of place where they are in the room. I have them bring their attention into their center. And then I do, in my first session, typically a really nice, long, uh, I call it super fleshy induction, uh, what is it, progressive relaxation, but not the standard just going over the different muscles. I'm doing some visualization. I'm doing some confusion. It's got a lot of different things in there to you know, really pull the client into hypnosis. And I'm watching and feeling in my body. I can sometimes pick up on what the client's experiencing. I'm feeling for their indicators of being in hypnosis. And once I know they're in hypnosis, usually 15 minutes or so in, I'm doing the eye test to prove to them that they're in hypnosis so that they're not questioning or doubting what's going on anymore. Because again, I know that the client's going to say, I could still hear you. But if they realize they couldn't open their eyes, then you know, they're not necessarily going to question that because they could hear you, they didn't go anywhere. Okay, so the reality is, really, they lay in a chair. <laughs> I desensitize them, I center them, I talk them into hypnosis, I talk about their goal, I manage their trance depth throughout making sure that they're deep enough to recognize they're in hypnosis, but not so deep that they've fallen asleep. I deal with tears, I offer tissues, I prove hypnosis to them by giving them the eye test, I debrief with them afterwards, I educate them, I listen for things that they say that m make me wonder if they're questioning the hypnosis, I use what they tell me to prove that they've been in hypnosis, I tell them what to expect afterwards as far as results are concerned, 
And then I send them away with instructions to just observe themselves and to notice what's beginning to shift. And, of course, their results can show up in a lot of different ways, so I'm also informing them what kinds of things they can expect once the session's over. And so that's what the client should expect from a first session. And now I want to talk about a therapist's expectations. Um, because oftentimes when somebody is new to hypnosis and they've only ever hypnotized maybe classmates or volunteers, like people who are familiar with hypnosis, they expect that everything's just going to go really smoothly. It's going to be like hypnotizing a classmate. They're going to behave and they'll know that it worked. And that's not necessarily the case. Um, now, this topic came up because I had a student who posted on our Facebook page the following message. Well, my distance session with my volunteer didn't entirely work. The connection was great, Skype. The techie stuff worked perfectly, and the client was willing. However, after going through desensitizing, centering, super fleshy, I did the eye test, telling her she couldn't open her eyes, etc., and she did. Bugger. I don't know quite what to do, so I had her go back and focus on her breathing to relax. I did the hypnotic argument, the bookend. These are things I suggest to my students. But I had the feeling that the session was not satisfactory, not to me in any event. She said she felt herself going but then stopped. She was obviously fighting it. Maybe I should stop working with volunteers for another couple of months. I'm discouraged. So I answered her briefly and then said, we're going to talk about this in class because there's so many things in this paragraph that indicate um, you know, what the student or what the new practitioner expects that is just not realistic. So, for example, not passing an eye test. Now, what we're hoping for is that the client's going to struggle to open their eyes and they're going to keep their eyes closed. But oftentimes, you'll see something else, which is still technically a pass, but the client opens their eyes. So, for example, sometimes a client will try and try and try, like they're really working at it, and eventually the eyes will kind of pop open slightly. That's a pass. If it took them that much effort to open their eyes, they're in hypnosis. Or <laughs> they're trying and trying and trying and trying, and eventually they open them, but the eyes are rolled back up into the sockets, and all you see are the whites. That's a pass. Because normally, if your eyes were closed and somebody said, open your eyes, you just pop them open and look at the person. If their eyes are rolled up and it takes effort, they've passed the test. Another pass is the client opens their eyes, but their eyes are unfocused, they're kind of swimming around, they're maybe a little pink. That's a pass as well. If the person has pink in their eyes, that's an indication of hypnosis. That's blood flowing through the eyes more easily, which tends to color the eyes pink as though somebody were stoned. That's what it looks like. And if the eyes are swimming around and the person's having a difficult time focusing, again, this is a pass on the test. So even though clients may occasionally open their eyes, that doesn't necessarily mean something's gone wrong. Not everybody's eye test looks exactly the same. And so that was the first thing we needed to talk about there. Um, having the feeling that the session wasn't satisfactory to me, <laughs> what matters is what the client felt about it. It's kind of like being an actor on stage, right? We know the cues. We know where we're supposed to stand. We know the script. We know the play through and through. We know all the technical details of how everything is supposed to go. The client is like the audience member. They don't know what's supposed to happen. So just like a performance on stage, even if we miss something, we have to improvise, we stood at the wrong place, if the audience isn't picking up on it, then the session's just fine, right? 
but we can be kind of perfectionistic as therapists. It's like, oh, I know what this piece is supposed to sound like. I know I missed this section. I know that a good solid eye test is supposed to have the person with their eyes just like stock shut. So this didn't work. Well, what we want to find out is what the client's opinion of it was. If the client felt as though they were in hypnosis or they can say things to us, like, again, debrief with the client. What did they feel? What did they experience? Did they get the time distortion thing? Did they feel heavy in the chair? Because all of those are indicators that they're in hypnosis. Just because they didn't pass the eye test, and when I asked this student about this, yeah, the person dragged their eyes open with a lot of effort. So she actually did technically pass the test. So we want to debrief the client and listen for indicators that they were actually in hypnosis and use that them to use that to reassure the client. Now she said the client felt herself going, but then she stopped herself. That, again, is pretty typical of a new client. In a first session, sometimes it's like the subconscious goes, okay, I'll let you go this deep, but you're not going any deeper than that. I need to make sure you're safe so you can just hover there. And then people will have uh, something that distracts them, that keeps them from relaxing more fully. The bra strap's too tight. It's too warm in the room. I have a little itch on my face or whatever. It's almost as though the subconscious is just regulating the person's depth being able to relax fully with some little distraction. And so, yeah, clients will feel themselves settling in, feel as though they're fighting it a little bit, and then hover. And hovering is fine. We don't need to have people super deep in order to get results. So we talked about all of these things in class, and then I said, you know, the big thing to look for is results. If your hypnotic argument was sound, if you really did address the cause of the client's problem, results right away and later on maybe a day or two later the student posted this in the Facebook page I just got feedback from my Toronto client who has been terrified of driving for something like 10 years she has a license but has never driven and after our session she went out and drove she says that every time she tried to think negative thoughts about driving her thoughts were totally blocked and she felt calm and fully in control wow maybe this stuff does work after all I'm euphoric right now Yay! (laughs) So again, sometimes as a therapist, we have these expectations about how it's supposed to look. We know what the ideal situation is, and we get concerned that if our client doesn't fit that ideal expectation, that something's wrong. Not every client is going to have the exact same response. They're not all going to look exactly the same. I recommend working on a lot of different people. I recommend getting feedback from your clients. My show is about to end, and so we'll talk again next week. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.